Welcome to Oh Brother, a podcast of three brothers trying to figure it all out with your hosts, Brandon, Colin, and Aaron. On this week's show, Ukraine Week. You did break it again. I, did you hear anything? Yes. What did you hear? Uh, it sounded like lo-fi hip-hop beats. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Why did I not hear you? It's a good question. Okay. I am going to get this figured out. Someday. Oh, okay, bye. I'm just waiting. I just, I didn't expect you to be here. I was joining a little bit early. I was like, oh, oh there's a person here. So, right. I am indeed. <laughs> well, I, um, I am, I am, uh, playing with some new software uh, to get my computer audio into Zoom so that if we play a song or a short video to listen to or something like that, it would be oh, naturally in the recording. Look at okay. that. Yeah. Fancy boy. Unfortunately, I could not hear you at all. So <laughs> um, that's a bit disconcerting. <clears throat> yes. So I need to figure out the next step. All right. Anyway. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Let me X out of all my windows here. Uh, Google Docs has been very flaky for me the past several days. Oh, no. Yeah. It's not good. I uh, was having to take notes while I was interviewing people. And um, it just kept locking up. And I couldn't do anything with it. And so I just had to refresh the page just every like five minutes. Ew. Gross. Yeah. It was not fun, especially since I was on uh, coffee shop Wi Fi. That may have been the problem now that I think about oh, it. I mean, yeah. Probably was the issue. Finding a lot of things on my desk, a lot of notes for my children. Hold on. I'm cleaning up. Yeah. Also, I have resorted to um, floor piles for accommodating paperwork. <laughs> wow, we've moved fast. With <laughs> Well, my desk is very small. It it fits my laptop and a second monitor. And there's it, that's as wide as it is. So I don't have places to put Fair enough. tax documents or things I have to mail. And uh, so then they have to go on the floor, which is fun. Uh, have you heard of drawers? My desk also does not have drawers. Well, yeah, but you can buy drawers separately. Well... Like, I have this thing at school that's next to my desk that's like a plastic toady thing that's like three feet tall and it has many drawers in it. And I just use it that way. Yeah. But these are things that I have to remember to mail because they're important. And if I put them in a drawer, I will miss my deadline. Yeah, but like other things can go in the drawer. I'm saying. Oh. Like, I I need to take a picture of my desk and send it to you so you can just see like. Not a lot here. <laughs> Sorry, it's all right. My goodness, my um, my allergies really, really trying to knock me off my feet this year. It's my goodness. <laughs> I I have not I had know. I have not had uh, tonsillitis in many many a moon. Uh, you know, first day of spring, thirty five degrees. It'll do it to you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. So, I will be muting myself quite a bit. Fair enough. But at least, at least my, um, at least I can talk. Yeah, yesterday, 
and the day before it was just straight up painful. I mean, it still is. It's one of those things where like the back of my throat is so swollen that it hurts to move my tongue left and right. Mm. I don't know if you've ever had that. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Which is fun. So <clears throat> here we are indeed. All right. And Aaron is here just in time to hear you talk about your sore throat. Hooray. Yes. Oh, oh hi, Aaron. I couldn't find my headphone. Sorry. What? I couldn't find my headphone. Uh, I, didn't know, I didn't know which ones to use last time. And the, uh, the wireless ones I had, I weren't charged last time. I was uh, quickly scrambling to charge the even ones. So Fair enough. Uh, made my interest, entrance on time. Stealth mode. I like it. Easy. Easy peasy. So yes, this week I believe you mean uh Privit Privit the Dobreveche Muya Brati. Whoa, how are you doing? Uh, man, that's nice. <laughs> Ukraine, yeah. Ukraine. Welcome to we've had we've had Shark Week and now we are are happy to have Ukraine Week. Absolutely on the podcast. <laughs> so um I've not been doing much uh translating due to um voice issues, but uh fair enough. <laughs> It is what it is. <laughs> That's all right. So how is it learning? A, so um, you're, you're learning Ukrainian. How has that been going? Well, I mean, varying degrees of success, clearly. Uh, it's been all right. I've been sort of messed around on Duolingo for the vocabulary practice. Right. Uh, but what I have learned is that uh, Ukrainian is a language that is sneakily complex grammatically. <clears throat> hmm. uh, so it, we don't have to. So if like you know you mess around with like your normal sentences like hello and how are you and all that stuff, but like if you are <clears throat> doing like actual sentences where you're trying to like express ideas, uh, the grammar <clears throat> is kind of intense, right? So we don't have to just deal with uh, <clears throat> verb conjugation problems, which like I remember from my uh, French days, uh, my lovely verb tables that I had to make right mm-hmm. all in class all the time. Fun. So like, uh, when you really dive hard into it, they Ukrainian language also deals uh a lot with the vocative cases of like the nouns. Mm. So the nouns change endings and stuff too based on <coughs> certain things uh, and reasons that I'm not entirely sure about because like I haven't gone uh, super hardcore in it. Right. But the grammar is like super complicated. Um, <coughs> maybe not super complicated, maybe like medium complicated. It's not like Japanese, right? Where it's just like, well, you're just in trouble. There's infinite characters and weird things, but, but like uh, that part is weird. So you need other <laughs> grammar like based resources to kind of just try to figure out what's happening here why is why do i why did i why does this sentence say my in this spelling and this sentence says it in a different spelling why <laughs> oh no so these are things that i've been messing around with so luckily there are a couple things on the internet to help you with this Right. Uh, first and foremost, the super convenient website 
speakukrainian.com. There you go. Or speakua.com uh, to help you with all of these grammatical based needs. Uh, it's this lady. Her name is, I'm going to get this wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, Ina Sprochnik or Spronchuk. Ina Spronchuk, maybe that could be her name. <coughs> uh, she does like online language learning classes, but also handily has a YouTube channel with just like tons of random videos about Ukrainian pronunciation guides and stuff like that on there. So that's actually really handy because you can like, even without like enrolling in her course or whatever, you can just like listen to her sort of speak and kind of get your head around the language a little bit, because that's the other hard part when a language like this, that is uh, that I think we'll talk about here in a minute, but uh, the exposure to the Ukrainian language just in general is very, very low. Right. Uh Um, like I don't, I, it's hard to find places to listen to Ukrainian speaking. Right. Or like, you don't know where to start. Right. So if you're ever trying to learn a language, one important aspect of it is to listen to the language (laughs) because you need to know how the words sound, right? Because if you just look at it, you're going, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, well, that's why they say if you're learning a language, like immersion is really the best way. Uh, because you you hear it constantly, you're seeing it around you constantly through reading, and you're interacting with it mm-hmm. a lot more, like on a higher hit rate per moment. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so her YouTube channel is really good about that, and she has like broken down things about like, oh, hey, here's like personal pronoun video where you learn about how to say like he, she, them, right? Uh, I. <clears throat> you like, oh, here's some letters, or like here's some how to pronounce the alphabet, which is very handy. Uh, because as I'll get to in a moment, uh, I did a bit of a deep dive into the history of the Ukrainian language. More on that in a second. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so she's got that stuff. So you can like get these little bite-sized pieces of like, oh, I need help with this. Bam, there's a YouTube video uh-huh. that you can just watch, right? Um, she also has a couple things on her website that are like free. So I check those out too, obviously. Um, one of them is like a three-day like here's some like bare bones minimum ukrainian stuff like if you were going to ukraine on a business trip in a week uh this would be what you need in your life right like (laughs) it's like videos breaking down like really kind of essential phrases like introductions like how to say that kind of thing like really basic conversation stuff um and it's free you just sign up for it and she sends you like a link to like a, it's like, a, it's just a YouTube video, but it's like a, like a, what's a privatized one, like a not a hidden one or whatever. What's it called? Oh, like, it's, uh, 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 yes. Yeah. My brain just turned off, yeah. but like, it's not like a public video. <laughs> so it's just the link to a private video. That's yeah, unlisted. Unlisted. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> so you can kind of get those lessons there. Plus like PDF files that go along with it. Oh, nice. So you can kind of look at the the written language with the alphabet and everything. Um, so that's really cool. Uh, she goes through the stuff, and then you just have the video. So, like, 
I could see how some people would be like, man, you did that video kind of fast, but like, it's a video. Just rewind it. Play. Yeah. Boom. Oh no. Shut up. Drag the slider back. (laughs) So that's cool. And uh, the other thing that she found, I just found this yesterday. This on her little website thing. That's like actually super dope is uh, it's a, it's a free PDF file. So you just like put it in the cart and order it. And then that's basically, and then you just download it, but it's $0. So it's hundred percent free, but it's a PDF file with like a billion web links in it to like Ukrainian stuff. Oh, nice. So like when I was talking about like immersion, you can, it's like lists of like Ukrainian news websites. Mm. So you can just like look at it. One of them's like Ukrainian radio stations that are on the internet. You know, then there's like (laughs) this whole big thing of like um, places where you can look at books and authors in Ukrainian and like TV shows and movie titles and music artists. And it's just a big list of stuff that is in Ukrainian that you probably can't find by yourself because you're trying to search for things that are written in a different alphabet with the Latin alphabet. Right. Uh You're like, I don't know how to type this. Which you maybe you had some of these troubles too if you guys did any research this week because uh-huh. I did. Uh, <laughs> we can talk about that in a minute too, but yeah, that is a, it's really cool. It's like a starting guide for like, oh hey, here's like some of the ones with like the news websites. You can just like read some news after you kind of get a handle of the alphabet. You can just sort of like try to pronounce the words yourself, like in their natural environment. Oh, cool! Right? Like here they are doing their thing. Um. And you, again, you can just hear Ukrainian, yeah, which is really handy. Again, if you're trying to learn it, or at least be comfortable, like maybe not like learn it like super grammatically and like correctly and become like a really fluent speaker. But even if you're just trying to learn like some phrases and stuff, like hearing people pronounce these letters, uh-huh. it's handy, right? Because <laughs> some of them are very mysterious. There's a couple that I'm still like. Mm-hmm what i don't know <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah oh uh, you will you will need to um because i was not going to attempt to um google search for her name while you were talking so you need to put that in the google doc um before oh, yeah goes well back. her website is just uh speak ua.com oh, okay and then she has a her youtube channel is called like speak ukrainian i'll probably send you that one later okay <clears throat> Yeah, she's pretty awesome. She does a language school. She does, if you're interested in doing it, she will do like online, like Skype lessons, right? And stuff like that. Oh, um, maybe not right this second because she's in Ukraine currently. Mm. She might be a little busy. So, uh, thoughts go out to you, Ina. You're amazing. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) so she also has like written a textbook for like if you are. Uh, it's one that's like a, it's not like an introductory textbook, right? It's like, if sure. you are like going in hardcore and like you, you get that one, <laughs> but wow. she has like flashcards and stuff you can get or whatever. And so it's like a whole deal. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. I love, I love those kind of resources. Cause like you said, um, trying to surface information or what things are is really, I, we tend to think it's easy when we're trying to find stuff, like you said, with our own alphabet. 
Uh, but yeah. as soon as we try and step outside of that, all of a sudden the window into the rest of the world is really small. Yeah. Like I, that. <clears throat> yeah. I, it's hard to know how to find it. Right. Like, cause you are trying to look for these, like there are characters in the Cyrillic alphabet that do not exist in the Latin alphabet. Right. So <clears throat> trying to figure out things is real difficult. So that one, the PDF resource, I, when I saw that yesterday, I was like, yo, this is actually kind of genius because, you know, you can just like, there's no way I would have been able to find like Ukrainian news websites by myself. Right. Like, I, right. I mean, I could have, but it would have been like much gnashing of teeth. Right. (laughs) Well, my question, my question, whenever I try and, do those kind of things is am I actually seeing what I'm supposed to be seeing? Cause I don't know. Right. Yeah. I don't know if this is actually, cause if you're just learning it, you know, I just, this is, this is no offense to, but if you're just learning one of the Slavic languages, it's hard to figure out and understand which one am I listening to? Oh no. Yeah. Which right? one am I looking at? Yeah, exactly. Because and, they use a similar alphabet. I was looking earlier, not today, but last week, but like that in like the Russian alphabet, they're yeah. similar, but the Russian alphabet has extra letters that you wouldn't notice if you were just like trying to start learning Ukrainian, right? You might, you would have a hard time knowing which one you're looking at or any of the other Slavic languages, right? Like, which one's this? Is this Belarusian? I don't know. Like, is this, what is that? Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, you need to, um, you do need to have someone to hold your hand. And then on top of that, there are things like, um, you know, just from a news perspective of, I love seeing what other countries and other people around the world are seeing and hearing about our world. Oh yeah. No, I agree with that. I do that a lot because but I want to like, know what, okay. What do, uh, what are they saying? What are they hearing? What are they saying? Especially right now during this, invasion well, yeah. like okay well i know what our and this isn't a oh the media are lying blah 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 blah. This no 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 just a, well, how are they covering it right because we you know we have our own problems that so we can't dedicate the entire news hour to to the, yeah. to the war um so yeah. we just get little snippets and stuff yeah it's definitely different right you can definitely see that uh even though you couldn't follow some of it you could tell some of the i watched one of the new broadcasts uh they're definitely in the basement uh, oh, wow. like they're definitely doing that. Like it's not the normal studio setup, you know, they're really going all out to still bring this coverage to people, um, in any way that they can. And so it's very interesting to look at that. So yeah, small side note, a bit of levity. Um, many Ukrainian websites look like Yahoo circa 2000. Um, they, <laughs> They give off that vibe. We got to get yeah. these people some help, guys. We get web design is a thing. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, that's it. Was just really nice to see that and be able to like go, oh, okay, because this is what I was kind of looking for. And like I said, I'll probably mention later like things I struggled with earlier in the week. Okay, um, finding it yesterday was like, <laughs> this is great. Late, this, right. but uh, I could have timed this better. But there you go. I I like that very much. That was good. Um, so if you got a second for my brief history of Ukrainian language, here we go. I I'm interested uh, to see 
Uh, because yes, go ahead. This, this is the brief rundown. Uh, I got this information from several like language channels and reading things. So uh, if I miss something, listeners, please let me know. Um, so like most of it comes from, it's a branch of the, it's in the Slavic language family, as we know, uh, it kind of comes from this like proto Slavonic, very old language system. That's, that was old. Uh, it's been around for like, you know, like a thousand years or so. Um, but the Greek, the uh, the Ukrainian language was originally sort of codified and written down by Greek uh, church people. So the Slavic, I did not know this, the Slavic uh, kind of Cyrillic alphabet comes directly from the Greek alphabet, right? They were using the Greek characters to write it down. Uh-huh. That's why some of them look really familiar. And then some of them are like, what? What is that? Because um, <clears throat> it's kind of from Greek, right? Mm. Um, they they use the Greek alphabet to write down these original Greek church people. Um, so then after a while, there was a split in the language. Uh, the Russian language is based on the like high Slavonic, church Slavonic language, which was like the official, very highly codified language system of the church and government administration. Whereas what is now modern day Ukrainian comes from the like more common people language of the time, right? Similar to how in English, right, you had the like high English and like the French version and then like the normal people speak that became English, right? Um, kind of like that almost. So that you had this one, and the Russian said, uh, well, what would become Russia? Said, this is going to be our language system. Whereas the Ukrainians were like, ah, we're going to use this like everyday sort of language and we're going to turn that into our official language and we're going to write our documents in that language. So that was the big schism in, in that uh, Slavic dialect there. And it became two completely separate languages. Right. Um, for, so they like, they're not mutually intelligible. They're not the same thing. They have a lot of shared words, but they also have a lot of words that are like false cognates right where they sound similar but they mean absolutely nothing in common right um <clears throat> because ukrainian was influenced a lot by its position and its uh close contact with places like constantinople and i mean literally being the crossroads of europe and asia yeah right so there's lots of influence from turkic languages but also influences from Polish and German, mm. right? And then also Greek, because they you know, were there too. So <clears throat> you have a lot of different influences from the language uh, over time that sort of morphed and found their way in there. So uh, you can read those eventually. There's so, so many words that, even though they're spelled with a different alphabet, once you figure out the phonetics, you'll read the word and be like, that says photograph. Uh-huh. All right. Well, that's <laughs> moving on. <laughs> wow. I was not expecting that. Got it. Um, <clears throat> so there's some recognition there once you get past how scary the alphabet looks. Hmm. Um, but that's the split, right? So they are, they are two different languages. Now, the Russian government will tell you they are not. 
uh, historically, they have tried many times to say that Ukrainian is not a real language, and it's just like a dialect of Russian. Mm. But you can definitely tell that Ukrainian is its own language because the Russians have tried to ban it like seven times. And you, you don't ban things that aren't real, right? So you no. don't. It's kind of a, you know, this is a little bit of a giveaway, Peter the Great. Uh, come on, well, boy. And I am, I'm reminded of um, the, uh, oh no, what's the childhood book about the dragon who um, eats the pancakes and the mom, oh, no such thing as a dragon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Have we, have we talked about this? Uh, and I just love the, the exact same thing of the, um, it's, if, it, if, it's not, if it's not there, you know, there's no reason to pat it on the head. So, but it's like, but it is there. Uh, yeah. But everyone's yeah, telling exactly. you that it's not. So, <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's been banned several times. Uh, there was actually a letter banned from the Ukrainian alphabet for a long time. Because what? that le- that letter, the letter uh, that represents the sound G, um, yeah. that sound does not, eg- that letter, I mean, rather, does not exist in the Russian alphabet. Uh. So to exude their control over the Ukrainians, they banned the letter G that makes the G sound. Well done. Yeah. so that you would they wouldn't like offend their eyes i guess i don't know why but like because it didn't exist there's a different letter in the in the russian alphabet that makes that sound but it's a different character altogether in uh, ukrainian so wow they banned it (laughs) (laughs) it's crazy very (laughs) well there's Yeah, I, I guess we can probably just go ahead and dive right into um, uh, uh, research that we've done this week or something yeah. interesting. So the, the task this week was to do something um, of Ukrainian culture, uh, whether that was visual, reading, arts, otherwise, history of it. Um, so I'm interested to see how your deep dive into history of language has impacted what you ended up doing, Brandon. Uh, yes. We'll do. I'll let someone else talk for a little bit. I've been hogging oh, the show yeah. so far, but uh, uh, Aaron, <laughs> do you want to go? Oh no, I was finishing typing. Let me go ahead and talk. Okay, <laughs> this is going well. Um, well, Brandon, it's interesting that you um, talked about the foundations of the language because I was interested in some of the um, impactful artists from Ukraine. And okay. um, the, any type of artist, visual. Yes, Sonic. well, we will get there. So <laughs> okay. this gentleman, um, Taras Sh- uh, Shevchenko, um, is considered to be the father of Ukrainian literature and the modern Ukrainian language because, ah. of, because of how he used it in his poems. Then interestingly, um, and this was a very, to me, this was a very late development as part of when, giving... Um, I heard, I think I read about this guy. When yeah. was he doing his thing? Uh, in the, uh, he was alive in the uh, early to late 1800s. So okay, like, yeah. Yeah. So I came across it, his name somewhere, I think. I'm, I'm sure. It, to me, it was very interesting. Um, but he, he is very influential in part of the Ukrainian identity. Um, and what is interesting about him is that he basically lived all of his life either as a serf or 
in forced marches across Russia um, or on forced expeditions to paint and write about what he saw, but he wasn't really part of the expedition crew. He was there just to document. And originally he was painting to go along with his poems. Um, But his illustrations have now taken on their whole other meaning as far as their importance and their relevance. Um, and, and I did actually want to touch on one of his poems. It's very long, um, but apparently it's extremely popular and well-known to the Ukrainian, to Ukrainian people. Um, and it starts off, uh, basically, uh, this is a poem about, um, um, developing freedom and, um, seeing their, you know, more of an identity. Uh, and he says, when I die, then make my grave high on an ancient mound in my beloved Ukraine in stepland without bound. Whence one may see white skirted Wheatland. And then it says Dipro or Dnipro, steep cliffed shore. Dnipro is a city along a well-known um, river. Uh, there whence one may hear the blustering river wildly roars till from Ukraine to the blue sea it bears in a fierce endeavor the blood of foemen. Then I'll leave Wheatland and hills forever. Leave all behind, soar up until before the throne of God. I'll make my prayer, for till that hour I shall not know of God. Make my grave there and arise. Sundering your chains, bless your freedom with the blood of foemen's evil veins. Then in that great family, a family new and free, do not forget with good intent. Speak quietly of me. He wrote that um, in 1945. Or sorry, 1845. And um, it's called Testament. And it is, um, again, speaking of this, um, Ukraine um, gaining freedom and standing up for themselves and making something new on the other side um, as they, um, again, we're we're building this identity. And um, another one of his paintings, uh, one of the most famous ones, was actually one that he illustrated um, for one of his poems, Katerina. And I'll have a link to this in the show notes, but I'll send it over to you guys so you can see this too. Um, it is a poem about the dangers of the Moscales. Um, Moscales or the, um, the Moscals, the yeah. Russian, right? <laughs> um, and of not... Um, going with them. And so it's the story of a young peasant woman who falls in love with um, a Russian soldier who against the chagrin of everybody who's in her family. Uh, and then he up and leaves. Uh, but then it's kind of her, her recovery and coming out of that um, uh, for the better, basically as a, as a um, tale against um, a cautious, a caution, a cautious tale yeah. on that. Um, but his paintings, what's what I love about this is when they talk about his paintings, they art historians have a hard time knowing which ones are his because he paints all sorts of different styles and all sorts of different things um, <laughs> nice. ac- across. And that's because, I mean, he's poor. And so I'll send you the Katerina yeah. one's most famous one. That was, that was done in 1842. And this other one that I'm sending you is nine years earlier. And it's just like, not in the same style at all. Um, those are extra different, by the way. Right? <laughs> right? And he's, um, 
he's totally doing he, then he has like extensive pencil work um and and he had some formal training in Russia actually um and their in their universities um he was taken out of serfdom by a, a wealthy um artist who auctioned off one of his paintings to pay for the freedom of Terrace um so that he could come Odd, but okay <laughs> right right and work with him um but um Terrace held some beliefs that were not appreciated by um others uh, where he wanted a, a, a strong independent ukraine is this sounding familiar um, uh, yeah yeah i think so and he he was um imprisoned many times uh um for this um and never really quite got beyond that uh and so i it was very interesting to see um him painting moments of um uh, and I guess there should also be a, um, what, what are we calling it? A Greek art warning, only a Ukrainian art warning. Oh, yeah. Some of yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, I'll include links to um, some of his most common work. Um, like I said, uh, Katerina is one of them. And I, I spent my time reading these and uh, looking at these pictures. And what I love about them is, again, just the the vast difference of these. I will send you guys a third, a third one so yeah. you can see, um, of, of his paintings. Um, this one was later. This one was after Katarina. It, it's called the ascend Ascension cathedral. Um, he, he, it's a pencil sketch, um, in 1845. Um, and it's very lightly shaded, very, um, subdued hues and colors, but he went on kind of this, um, and he also documented, these journeys that he went on um, in the Aral Sea uh, on a ship, he was forced to to go on this Russian naval expedition across the Aral Sea, and he was just to document and paint and sketch. And he was out for eighteen months, and came back with all these massive, all these drawings that he had with them. And then, and then they sent him out on another one of these kind of excursions and adventures, where he continued to paint and draw on these things. So he's also painting various landscapes across this wide diversity of places that aren't just his, you know, aren't just Ukraine. Um, yeah. but, but he's giving his perspective and it's, um, like I said, I, I was very interested in kind of foundational stuff and, and where, um, kind of like you, Brandon, like where did this identity start coming from? And he's yeah. widely credited with the use of language, like very, very, um, powerfully where, um, you know, they talk about Ukraine as, as a country kind of awakening to itself about who they are as a people and what they identified with. Yeah. Uh, I came across his name in regards to that type of situation because, uh, like I said, at that time, Ukrainian was considered, uh, like the, the Russians look at the split of the Slavic language as, um, since theirs is from high church Slavonic, they clearly view it as the better. Uh-huh. Right. So they say, ah, Ukrainian is no good. It's just of the peasants. Uh, I mean, it's not real totally, uh, by the way. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> they say that, right. But, uh, they did not, they weren't convinced that it was useful, right? They were like, oh, you can't do write novels and poetry and, do like great things with this language because it's not good. Right. And he's one of the people that is kind of like, you know, the Ukrainian people are like, um, Hey, how about you look at this though? Blam. <laughs> like he's credited as being a person that kind of stood in the face of that 
sort of discrimination of the language and said, you know, people were like, you can't write beautiful poetry in Ukrainian. And here he is writing beautiful poetry, poetry. in Ukrainian, right? Like Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, again, <laughs> bringing about this, this intellectual literary powerhouse, like you said, using this yeah. something that was demeaned and maligned and thought lesser, uh, but was given power and by, by him. And uh, he's still, um, he's, he's on some of their, he, I think uh, there's a young portrait of him on some of their, their, um, their dollars, their, their monetary, their, their physical yeah. paper money um, and things like that. Um, but it was, and seeing his breadth of work and how young he started to do things. I mean, he's, he's one, again, one of these stories of his early life was awful. Like, I mean, he's a, he's a surf <laughs> in, yeah, it's not great. Um, <laughs> there's a kind of during, the worst during the Russian Empire, right? Uh, where things were not good um, at all. No, and um, he was constantly being sold and bought and resold. Um, both his parents died very young and tragically, um, you know, and he was kind of whisked off on one of these sales. Um, and because of where he was then, was able to start doing these things, but he was constantly, he was also punished for his work from a very early age too, where one of the people he was working with during the, um, Oh, what was it? Um, my brain's going to snap back into place in just a moment. Oh, during the, they had a war of 1812. Um, interestingly enough. Uh, yeah, it's a different one, but yes, there's also, it's the one Tchaikovsky wrote about. Yeah. Right. That's the during one. that he was caught painting in the basement and was like beaten for it. Um, and yet he st- still continued to do it. And he basically what he was doing is he was living in these rich people's places with all these paintings around and was copying them to some extent. Right. And ah. was, was looking around going, how do I do this? And he was given, like I said, opportunities to later study um, uh, at, at other places in St. Petersburg as well. Uh, but uh, kind of this early, you could, t- you could tell he was, he was trying to find and speak about something from a very early age and was finally able to do it later in life. Interesting. That's pretty cool. So, uh, yes. Um, Taras Shevchenko, um, with, uh, Katerina and just, that's his most famous one for his poem and the, the painting that he did. It's an oil painting and it's just, he captured anyway i'm not an art critic let's just be very real about yeah. this <laughs> but to be an art enthusiast though. i am an art enthusiast but in this painting um you see the young woman in classical ukrainian um traditional ukrainian garb um standing looking extremely forlorn and a man sitting down beside her um who we can with assume the is traditional ukrainian mustache going with on a traditional there. ukrainian mustache and an amazing hat um true looking knowingly at her Right. And then um, there is the Russian soldier blasting off in his with his with his horse. And I'm looking over his shoulder at her. And if you zoom in on this, um, the the look on this soldier is is basically I don't know. It's compared to her expression, which is in the foreground. Obviously, he's in the he's in the background. So it's it's not as, as sharp, but there is it's a it's a flat face. Right, he's he's just looking, and and then he's going to be gone. Right, there's nothing, nothing to him, and he's gone. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's especially when it's tied to the um the poem, right, of knowing what's going on here, 
but yeah. it's just a it's a very fascinating the detail work about what the gentleman's doing on the ground and her dress i love it i, I was caught i was i've stared at this thing for a very long time um getting prepared for this so it was very good that's awesome yeah uh yeah so that's that was my deep dive um into to terrace this week nice Aaron, you have anything to talk about? Um, I kind of missed the mark because I guess I kind of just went down a rabbit hole with like history and like outside influences of Ukraine and kind of how it's never really been its own identity for like a really, really long time. Um, so I, I was kind of a little all over the place, especially kind of like with outside influences, other cultures being brought in and kind of how Ukraine like Russia, it kind of developed in its own like, weird way, but it's always kind of had that historical ties connected to somebody else. Um, and so that's why Ukraine is kind of diverse and, and unique. So I was a little all over the place, and I don't know if I have that much time. Uh, I had notes, but it was mostly just kind of about like history of kind of external conflict that always influenced Ukraine in some way, shape, or form, or like given Bruce State with like the Golden Horde. And, you know, Soviet era kicking out non-Russians into Ukraine and then them taking those Ukrainians out uh, and putting them in the factories, which caused a whole little more, um, the Great Famine and kind of things. So kind of how Ukrainian identity has always been shaped in some way, shape or form by other people. And so that, that's kind of where I went. So I was all over the place. That's right. I started and, down that road as well. I got, I got this book. Yeah. Uh, I I've only read the first section of it today, but uh, it's yeah. called "The Gates of Europe: A History of Ukraine." Uh, it's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I I was in a similar vein. I was interested in that kind of thing too. So I'm in the I'm only in the first part. Like we just finished the Golden Horde bit. Um, yeah. You know, but <laughs> but I think that's interesting. That's an important part of it too because um, it's had Ukraine has had these moments in time where it was like the big shining star. And then through, like you said, many different outside influences, uh, it was curtailed perhaps slightly too early, you know, cause before the horde showed up, they were kind of moving in the same line as Constantinople, right? Kiev was like constant. It was emulating Constantinople in its area. You know, it was the shining star of learning and literature and all that stuff um <laughs> in the east there until it wasn't until the guy died uh Yaroslav I think Yaroslav the wise uh died yeah. and then kind of like after Charlemagne died it was kind of all went south you know what I mean um <clears throat> cuz at that time um uh if if uh you know, the Russians, uh, some of the Russian people like to talk about how, you know, uh, they, the Russia, Ukraine is part of Russia, right? Um, if you go back further than that, uh, you might find that the Kievan Rus Empire of, you know, 1000 AD, <laughs> uh, the seat of power in the whole area from the, from the Black Sea to the Baltic was in Kiev. Right? Yeah. It was the controlling power area. Also, 
I did not realize that that city was over a thousand years old and that blew my mind. Right. Mm-hmm. When I read that, I was like, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> but you know, this guy, the last great ruler of that thing, Yaroslav, he's such an important guy that the Ukrainians and Russians actually fight over if he was Russian or Ukrainian. You know, yeah. he's, on, he's on the both whatever the dollars are in each one. But in Ukraine, he's depicted with traditional Ukrainian mustache and costume. And in Russia, he's depicted with traditional Muscovite goatee and short hair. You know, <clears throat> he's so fought over that nobody knows where his body is. It was taken out of the church he was buried in and it's gone. Possibly removed uh, when the Soviets invaded. Wow. But like it could be in New York. Fun fact. Uh, but nobody knows. <laughs> and nobody's saying. <laughs> Jeez. So I think that's important, Aaron. That's an important part of the history of of the outside influences. So uh, was there any one in particular that you thought was like super important to the development of this stuff? So besides besides like Russia with Muscovy, um yes. Poland, Lithuania also controlled like a vast swaths of it. But also, like, especially when you go, like, southern Ukraine, you get to, like, Cossacks, which were kind of, like, which was, um, oh, what's the word? Um, translates to kind of, like, freemen. Now they're, like, semi-nomadic people, and they were kind of, like, pushed out from Tsarist Russia and kind of, like, started their own identity in southern, like, Ukraine, like, close to Crimea. And another big factor that I learned that was kind of more, like, ancient history was that a lot of like Greek um, colonies started to kind of dot, you know, further into like the Black Sea and things like that. And that's where we get a lot of these stories from like early nomadic tribes from like the Scythians. Um, And that's kind of where we get a lot of the stories of like the Amazon um, or Amazonian women, you know, female, you know, warriors would like freak the Greeks out because they were weren't used to things like that so that was kind of in that same area also although it could be like a few hundred miles off um but i would kind of say like how the cossacks not cossacks cossacks with mass two s's three s's actually yeah um, <laughs> kind of that like that main staple of like hey if no one else is going to live here we're forced out of our ancestral homes we're going to make this our ancestral home and that's kind of why um when russia took Crimea, one of the biggest ethnic groups that kind of had to overcome all this or did most of the fighting was um, traditional Cossacks in the area and um, Ukrainian Tatars that, that were kind of like the main staple of like early Ukrainian identity of like, oh, well, hey, you know, although there's people here like in the Kievan area, like they kind of, although they came from outside, they, they kind of adapted and made Ukraine like their identity. And so I can, I think a lot of that really um, creation should be kind of towards the Cossacks in any ways, especially that I've heard about or read about a lot of their like early history of how it ties into like, oh, Ukraine was getting attacked. Who was the people to defend it? Cossacks. Um, you know, some outside influence was trying to come in and, you know, try to put in a new government who was always there at the Cossacks. And so um, to me, that's kind of like the main group out of like the thousands that have played a huge important part in like their early history. Yeah, I would have to agree. I read several similar things about 
<clears throat> how that the Cossack group of people, uh, kind of that ethos and their spirit they embodied of like, yeah, no, we're just gonna fight you. How about that? Um, that sort of strong kind of identity they kind of brought that into the ukrainian fold right so ukraine the ukraine had an identity and they came in and said we're adding this piece to that and a lot of people really latched onto that idea and said yes that's good we <laughs> they admired that strength and that kind of spirit they were like that kind of free nomadic spirit because you know traditionally um lots of nomadicism in that part of the the world and everything. So that um, I would have to agree that you definitely cannot underestimate the Cossack influence on Ukrainian history, especially kind of that, like, <laughs> you know, a little bit later time, kind of like they, they played a big role in a lot of stuff like, uh, you know, like you said, fighting people and uh, taking, you know, if you were, on their side that that was that's who you want on your side in like the you know 16th century was the cossacks right like that you need <laughs> that was good yeah so i i think that that kind of how you know especially when you get to like the Crimean warrior wars or anything in between um mm. just kind of play a huge table and plus especially after they settled down after like the kind of 1900 but i have a um History book by Paul Abrich. It's a Russian rebel, 1600 to 1800. And a majority of the time, where it talks about like uprisings against um, Russia, like Boris uh, Russia or Muscovy Russia or Imperial Russia, um, it's usually somehow tied into Cossacks. I was going to say, is it just only show. Cossacks? <laughs> Pretty much. It's like, you know, um, there's sometimes where uh, there's one cool story, I can't remember which one it is, but it talks about how there was a guy who was kind of seemed like a, a Robin Hood kind of thing where he would um, build like build, like mobile forts, like all out of wood and they would like, oh, we need to run. He would like tear down the fort and like ship it down river and they would just like build up another fort so they're like a constant like mobile fortress kind of thing and the Russians were like, well, we're stuffed. We don't know how to beat them. And so I think it was... Uh, all the way up until like one of like Zar Nicholas or somebody that's like, all right, <laughs> enough, burn it down. Um, kind of thing. So I thought that was story always funny. I have to find which one it was. There's it's kind of thick and there's a lot of reading to it. I haven't read it since like college, but, <clears throat> but there's lots of, I think there's lots of anecdotes about that with the Cossacks, right? Like switching sides, mid thing, be like, Hey, you didn't pay us. All right. Now we're going to beat you like blam, especially with that. Like, Poland, Lithuania, the Muscovoy kind of like conflict there. Like the Cossacks were generally a deciding factor on whosoever side they decided to be on. Uh, whoever didn't make them the angriest, right? They would just fight the person that made them the mad. <laughs> yeah, so they kind of were like early mercenaries, but yeah, the century changed. It was kind of more towards like, oh no, this is our home now. So <clears throat> yes, they did sort of adopt Ukraine as their homeland. Um, and again, that, that you're right. That does play a big part in the identity, I think. Yeah. So. Very nice. I will add that also in my deep dive, um, I found two Ukrainian restaurants in my town. 
um, that are on my oh. list of places to go eat now. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna need future updates on how that goes. Yes, <laughs> one is a um, super like jealous a right brick now. and mortar establishment, um, and then the other one is a um, a food truck. So sick! I'm very excited for this. Uh, uh, yeah, I would be too. Okay. Let us know how that goes if you make it there. I will. I will. I I, <clears throat> I had known about them, uh, but also it's one of those things of. It's on a side of town where I don't like ever go. Yeah. Not for any particular. It's like way, way, way on the south side of town. I yeah. live in a small town, but like yeah. we <laughs> kind of stay up kind of north side and just go east yeah. and west. We like going south means we're going to to dads or something. Um, yeah. So um, I was like, oh yeah, I have driven by that place. We need to go <laughs> it, because it, you know what it, I need? Yeah. I need a kebab meal. That's what I need. There you go. I need that borscht. very bad. Some borscht. That's what you need. Yes. Exactly. Anyway, there you go. That is on very nice. my to-do list. Soon. Sweet. Pretty awesome. Hey. Well, uh, did you find any uh, Ukrainian uh, movies and or music to also? I, uh, unfortunately, in my deep dive, uh, or not my deep dive. Um, so I did find, oh, what, what, okay, okay, so I do have notes here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Uh, I need to find where I wrote this down. Um, most of the stuff, unfortunately, now the um, algorithm right now is very broken <laughs> for when you're trying to find stuff not related to the Ukrainian to the to, to the Ukrainian war. That uh, is true. So this it, is back to what I was talking about at the beginning, right? It's difficult to find yeah, this stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's not just. Um, it's not just. Uh, you know, uh, basically, if you search for this kind of thing right now, you're going to get documentaries. So there's a, a free one on Netflix from 2015 that you can see now. Uh-huh. Uh, um, but one that I was interested in trying to find how to watch, it's a um, a, uh, a a kind of a Disney Pixar style film called The Stolen Princess. Um, it's a 3D animated fantasy film. Ah, and I tried to find this but it is not not possible unfortunately um i think you can watch it in english but i don't think i saw it in english somewhere yeah but i was trying to watch it in ukrainian and i me too that. that's what i want i want ukrainian and i want <laughs> subtitles don't don't yeah none of this dub stuff like i'm not a dub person um yeah. also apparently um there's another animated film called The Tram Was Going, number nine. Okay. About how a, a, a tram, I think, has some level of cognition. Um, and it follows along with people's lives as they ride the tram and how it changes. Interesting. And I really wanted to watch this one. That does sound um, pretty sweet, actually. Yes. And there were only a couple other ones after that, but those two really... Um, <coughs> kind of bubbled to the top but yeah uh, i i had a hard time as well like i could find lists of like their names but they're not available to watch anywhere that i could discover right like none well i mean one i found one i watched but like not a lot right it's not a it's not a big thing currently um you know so Maybe that's just because I didn't know what to search for. It's possible. Right. Um, 
I don't know the names of these movies. I don't have anything I'm like specifically looking for. So uh, that could be part of it. But yeah, it's really difficult to find Ukrainian language anything. Uh, at least it was for me, movie wise. <clears throat> Which I was uh, kind of, you know, I was saddened by. Because um, I was wanting to. I, I, I like seeing, because there's that, there's the, um, how to say this, you know, like, so my exposure to like anime through Miyazaki is there's the, his take on fantasy. Um, yeah. There's also like a lot of cultural, whenever he sets them closer to home and not some like weird, like European non-existent city, but this is like, this is in Japan. <laughs> right. Those are very different. Movies Stop throwing like. shade at Porco Rosso. Okay. I like that movie. Quit no. it. No, no, no shade. All these are <laughs> good. It's just whenever I'm he, joking, I'm joking. When he writes a story about like Japanese life, I love that very much. Like, uh, but then there's the high fantasy, uh, you know, like Hal's Moving Castle. It's a very different movie than like a Kiki's Delivery Service, which Lillian, by the way, absolutely loves. Yeah, and she watched that with subtitles yes. on. So don't tell me you people out there can't do it. She's six. Um, nah. <laughs> but I was, I was, I was looking for something like that from, um, that I, we could, I could access, um, about or from Ukrainian producers. Um, and like you said, I couldn't quite ever crack that nut to get into that. Um, yeah. I was it's certain. difficult. <clears throat> well, I got one for you. Okay. All right, well, I watched two movies because number one, I'd seen this one movie before and I really like it. And it's set in Ukraine. It's not necessarily a Ukrainian movie. It's a Hollywood movie about Ukraine. Um, uh, before I start this, I would like to also say that um, Ukrainian movies also, uh, the ones that I could find lists of, um, they all seem to deal with what Aaron was talking about, about outside influence and invasion and war. Um, all of them. It's in there. It permeates these movies like a lot. And so uh, at least the ones that I could find lists of now that it might not be every single movie ever, but a lot of the bigger releases that people have at least seen there, it's in there, right? It's definitely in there. <coughs> so the first one I watched was uh, it is, but we're going to give it a slight pass. We're going to call it half Ukrainian. It is, of course, everything is illuminated from 2005. Okay. Starring uh, Elijah Wood. So post-Frodo, Elijah Wood what? Uh, is in this movie. <clears throat> he made it? Yeah, this movie is kind of crazy, right? Um, it's <laughs> he's in it. Uh, it and also uh, Eugene Hutz, who is the lead singer of a band, Gogol, Bord- Gogol Bordello. Yes. Uh, yep. it's, he's in this movie. So um, oh my. we're going to half count them as uh, Ukrainian band because Eugene is Ukrainian. Um, Maybe not the rest of the band. (laughs) Awesome, you mean? So, so small spoilers. Uh, So, if you want a half Ukrainian band, Gogol Bordello, I can't recommend. Anyway, so it's about this guy. uh, Elijah Wood's character is a Jewish American who is going to Ukraine to search for his family roots. Right, like his grandfather was Jewish Ukrainian who escaped Ukraine when the Nazis came. Right. Okay. That's what they're looking for. 
he's so he's going back there to try to find his history. Um, uh, Eugene plays uh, this guy Alex, who's from Odessa, who's like, you know, he's just interested in like ladies and dancing and doing weird things. But he goes with his granddad, who's also called Alex, by the way. he gets hired by Elijah Wood's character, Jonathan to, to drive him out to this village, uh, where his grandpa was from. Right. And it's, it's really weird movie. It's very odd. The music's awesome. Um, the undertones are all about looking for identity mm. and your own history and kind of like the history of place and like, where you belong in the world. That's kind of what the movie's about. Yeah. Um, it's a little dark at the end, kind of takes a turn. So, you know, warning, uh, for that, but it's really good. I really like the movie. It's really weird. And I just enjoy Eugene so much. This movie is so great. Like everything he says, like the way that he talks and that movie is, it's beautiful. Uh, I say it all the time. Uh, <laughs> and kind of like their friend, they kind of like they're very different people, but they kind of grow to be friends, right? They have the classic trope of like the dog is really crazy and Elijah Wood is scared of dogs, but at the end of the movie, the dog's like laying on his lap, right? You know, they have that sort of trope in there. <laughs> everybody, mm. everybody loves that trope, right? It's my favorite one. Um, <clears throat> but it's about looking for identity and a place and how you connect to other things. And, you know, discovering parts of your identity that you didn't know about and how that can change you as a person. Right. So it's pretty cool. Um, some of the movies in Ukraine, some of it's shot in the Czech Republic. So, you know, you don't get the full Ukrainian landscape, but uh, it's not too bad. Sure. <laughs> you get the idea, right, from pictures that you see of Ukraine, right? Um, very fast, open spaces rolling hills and woodlands and farm. So like as a Midwest boy, it calls to my heart, right? Like <laughs> just like, as we've discussed like, the, yes, the allure of, of hills. Yeah. yeah. You see the hills and the forest and the, the farmland and it's just like achingly beautiful as a person from, you know, the Midwest where that's like what you see in your life. And that's what you really identify with. You see a place like that and you're like, Oh my gosh, great. Gorgeous. Right. <clears throat> so you can watch everything is illuminated. It's a really bizarre movie, uh, but I like it. It's a good one. <laughs> the one I found that is actually Ukrainian is is even more bizarre. <laughs> okay, and it's called uh, Hatsulka Ksenia. I'll send you that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's about this. Uh, um, so this 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 family of Ukrainians that live in New York uh, are the, the kid's dad dies and he says, I will give my child all my inheritance if he marries a Ukrainian girl. So the uncle and the family bring the guy to Ukraine to look for a wife. That's your setup, right? Okay. But importantly, uh, Aaron, this is important. This movie takes place in 1939. Whoops. Uh, and it, it's basically a Greek tragedy, right? It's wild. Really? Yeah. So, like, the way that it's set up and the way that it plays out and, like, there's a... They go to this hotel 
the hotel and the uncle are like old buddies from the village a long time ago. They set up this thing. They try to do, you know, find them a wife and whatever. But like in the hotel, there's this band that's playing and they act as like the Greek chorus. So like all of their songs are like informing you about what's happening in the movie or some kind of like exposition, you know? And they play like this really important role in the movie, even though they're just like the band over there in the thing. Um, <clears throat> it's crazy. And the, the colors and the filtering on this thing is like really vibrant and nuts. And like, it all takes place in the Carpathian mountains. So again, it's actually shot in the Carpathian mountains. So it's gorgeous in like far Western Ukraine, you know, like the mm. Polish border where we are here. Um, it's wild. Right. So there is like the whole thing where there's some silliness where like the one girl that he really likes, right. He actually likes her and like, it's, you know, trying to figure out like, Oh, does she like him or the other women in the village figure out that he's there and is going to get a lot of money if he marries one of them. And so everybody comes and there's like shenanigans where like, you know, Hallmark movie moment where like, he's like, the girl falls on him in the woods, like by the river where he's waiting for the first girl. And like, as girl number two falls on him is holding him. Girl number one comes around the corner and looks at him. <laughs> right. Like that's in there. Uh, but this whole thing is like undercut by the fact that it's 1939 and they don't know it, but the Soviets are coming. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's no way that no matter what, there's no way the movie's actually ending good. Right. Right. Like, <laughs> cause it, the, this movie, like the last credit, like the title at the, like the movie ends and then it flashes up on the screen. Uh, the Soviets arrived like three months later. Right. So you're left to wonder like, oh. did they make the right decision doing oh. this? Are they okay? Were they able to get out? Like, what does that mean? Like, so it's kind of got that Greek tragedy element where they got what they wanted, but like, did they though? Right. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's crazy. It's absolutely amazing. I love this movie very much. Uh, and the music in this movie is brilliant, right? Because it's there's two actual bands in this movie. And I didn't realize they were actual bands until later when I was looking for Ukrainian bands. Yeah. Uh, I saw these people. And I was like, wait, wait. I just, I saw them in the thing. Oh my gosh. What's going on? <laughs> oh, that's fun. Yeah, it was really fun, right? So the <coughs> quick segue on these bands real fast. Uh, like one of them is called the Doc Daughters. Uh, and they're like this really weird, like <laughs> they're both really strange bands. They're kind of like folk experimental strangeness. And it's a female band, like six people in it or whatever. Uh, and their music is very eclectic and interesting. <laughs> Sounds perfect. It's great. And the other one that I, I might actually be in love with is they're called Daka Braka. Uh, and it's these four people and they play like, it's similar. It's like folk music, but like not folk music, but like modern interpretations on actual folk songs and like weird things. And it's just, oh. it, they wear Cossack hats. It's great. Um, <laughs> which is perfect. It is perfect. So it's like uh, on their website, it describes them as like, uh, combining 
ev- nothing you've ever heard with everything you've ever heard before. Oh right? Like <laughs> it's kind of like folk music slash world music kind of inspired stuff. Uh-huh. Right. It's very, lots of drum and like <laughs> harmony singing, but also there's a cello and the one girl plays piano sometimes and there's an accordion. It's like, it's crazy, but I love it like a lot. So <laughs> perfect. They actually make a cameo in the movie. They have this party and uh, they're playing at the party. Oh, and I didn't know it because I watched the movie. I was like, oh, dude, this song is awesome. This song is great. And then I saw them in a different video later and I was like, wait a minute. That's the people that I just saw in the movie. What in the world? <laughs> it's all coming the, together. The hats gave them away. Okay. They always oh, perform in these yeah. giant black Cossack hats. Which is gorgeous, yeah, uh, right. but like not something I, they thought out exactly very well. No, it's beautiful. I think they did it on purpose, right? Well, I mean, thing, if they were trying like, to disguise themselves, I don't think they were disguising themselves. Well, but the song they play in the movie, it's called the Carpathian Rap, and it's like it's uh, based off of these like ancient traditional folk songs uh, that grandmothers in the village would sing about. Uh, young girls trying to find a husband in the small villages, and like all the boys being kind of worthless. And like, <laughs> so they like date one boy and they're like, no, he sucks. And then like date another one. Like, yeah, no, he's not good either. And like, yeah. they go, <laughs> Fair. So it's like a big list of what was wrong with all the men that they tried to date to try to find a husband. So when you, when you know that context, it's even funnier, uh, but it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. And it really fits the vibe of the movie at that point too. Right. Like, so <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That was it was fun. It was an accidental crossover event of movie and music that I was not expecting. <clears throat> uh, when I first tried to Google music, I just Googled like Ukrainian music. Yeah. Did you do that? Yes. That was bad. did you no. did you did you find all the terrible Ukrainian Euro pop? That's like all there was for it's very, bad. It's it's bad. Very bad. It's real bad. Yes. Aaron, did you listen to Ukrainian Europop at all, by the way? <laughs> did you? Well, every time, well, not Europop, but every time I would put in um, kind of like Ukrainian like music, and it always pulled up like kind of like the Eastern, like Palyaka, like guitar stuff. And I was like, yeah, oh. those are the ones I gave up. <laughs> yeah. Some of the folk songs like that, they're, they're cool. They all yeah. are the same, but they're cool. Uh, but the pop is bad. It's real. It's like slow to medium tempo dance pop. Yeah, all of it. It's not good. <laughs> I didn't like it at all. None of it. Um, so, <laughs> so <laughs> I have to try uh, a little bit harder to maybe find some music that's good. But uh, I did like Daka Braca and the Doc Daughters, so that was exciting. Accidental discovery there. There you go. Um, <clears throat> so there you go. Also. Uh, if you are a metal enthusiast, which I know Colin is, uh, yeah. I can recommend you, obviously, probably the most famous band currently out of Ukraine, uh, Ginger. Ginger. Right. Definitely a metal band okay. uh, that are probably, they're really awesome. Uh, and if you like a little bit more symphonic metal, uh, there's another band called Ignea, who are also <laughs> good. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, pretty good. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but ginger, good stuff, right? Ginger's great if you like kind of the if you like growly lyrics because their singer is this girl named Tatiana. She's like this tiny girl who like 
seems like a monster. It's very exciting. <laughs> mm. So Ginger is good. Uh, you like that one. But yeah, the Euro pop stuff. No. No mount. Okay. Or if you like traditional folk instruments, you of course have to listen to Bandura music. Uh, the official folk instrument of Ukraine. The Bandura. Have you seen this thing? Uh, no. All right. Imagine a giant circle that's like two feet across. And it has like a guitar neck on one side, but it's basically a harp. And it has like 50 strings on it. This thing is huge. It's enormous. Just just found a picture of this. Yeah. It didn't get this enormous apparently until like the 1940s. So it was smaller before. But it's huge. It sounds not unlike a harpsichord. So like I can envision that. Yeah. It's uh it's kinda cool for a little bit. Um too much bandura is just too much bandura. Right. Uh there's some really good compositions on it. There's some good videos of like dudes on the street singing and playing bandura. Right, that's a genre on YouTube. I think, mm. uh, probably unofficially, but they... <laughs> so that's cool. Um, some other folk music stuff, but it is. I don't know how you play that many strings at once. It's just like a mobile harp, kind of like. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So that was about all I got to the music. I sort of ran out of time with music. Uh, okay. I got distracted with languages and things, but, but yeah. Well, I had intended to also kind of do a um, better dive into some documentaries about um, the background here. And I will say that everything that I came across um, specifically focused on the continued conflict in the Donbass region. Um, And so there are, I'll add a list to the... um, Google Doc here of of a list of of stuff that kind of go, breaks down into um, there's like twenty or something um, documentaries that you can watch about kind of the, the history of these different regions uh-huh. and some of the conflicts that they've they've had. Uh, did you watch any of them? Um, there, the one that I started watching was it's called Donbass. Um, okay, and it. I was gonna say if we need to do a little bit of a part two later, we, we may can, we uh, may need to. We can um, we can hit but, some of that stuff. Yeah, um, but it's it's specifically that one is specifically about the conflict in the Donbass uh, mm. in Donbass and kind of the they break into a little bit of the um, uh, propaganda uh, and uh, that that goes on in that region uh, and kind of and the looking at checkpoints and just kind of what life is like in that, in that particular region. And obviously we know that, and this came out in 2018. So, uh, it was not good then. Uh, and then obviously we know now that that region has been pushed through entirely. And one was one of the first ones, right. That they struck and moved into, um, to try and, and, and claim and take over as their own. Yeah. So Um, that does sound interesting. I might have to watch some of that and stuff. So we might have to do part, you know, 1.5 here a little bit, but if not next week, the week after, maybe. 
<clears throat> and that's something that I, I see you talk about um, what's interesting about the history of Ukraine and a lot of the writings and a lot of the, the development of a society and culture is reflecting on the influence of outside influence and, and uh, uh, input and direction. A lot of the media put by put out by Ukraine is about um, that same thing. A lot of these documentaries are about that same thing about fighting propaganda within the country and still struggling for that identity and living on these edges, you know, of these, in these war zones, right. In the Donbass, um, in the other regions by that of like, even prior to all of this, there was a lot, it was very intense. And, um, one of the things that, um, you know, there's a couple, uh, ones on this list about, um, something I actually wasn't aware of. It was Euro maiden. Um, had you heard of this? I'm going to need a little bit more context than that. So Euromaiden was back in what, 2013, 2014. It was massive, massive protests. Um, Oh yes, yes, yes. Okay. okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, Yes. Um, I got you now. Yes. Sorry. Euromaiden where it was part of the, of an, of an uprising, um, and civil unrest in Ukraine. Um, yes. And, uh, so there's a documentary about that too, as they're trying to, again, um, start that start those protests uh yeah anyway, anyway that but. that had to do with some of the i think was that the one where the the president was like yeah we're totally gonna sign this treaty with nato and do this stuff and then like the very last second he's like just kidding not really <laughs> like yeah. we're gonna sign this treaty with moscow instead and the people were like <laughs> what <laughs> yes yep exactly that's what he did um he yeah. was going to have a closer association with the EU. Um, it wasn't NATO. It was just, he was going to, Oh, just the EU. That. I couldn't yes, remember, but yeah, yeah. Well, because the whole signing on to NATO thing is something completely different. And That's like, fair. Right. Like that. It, anyway. So, um, yeah. So it well, led to the Crimea thing, but yes, yeah. exactly. And so, so during this is he, he drew ties closer to, to Russia and people were, um, less than, less than happy to say that. Gee, I wonder why. But um, hmm. anyway, so yeah, I think we could definitely do. Um, I would like to work through a couple of these documentaries. All and, right, uh, a docu- There's some of our documentaries. Some of them are, um, you know, docudramas or whatever, or yeah, more stylized. But they're playing on themes. Same um, themes, yeah. Like one of the ones that I had actually heard of before was one called Atlantis, um, where this came out in. 2019 and it's a film that's set in 2025 after the Ukraine's victory after Ukraine's victory with Russia over the war with Russia little did they know right but here it's um, it's it's a scout that is now going to look for the bodies of soldiers that were lost and the story of him uncovering their tales and things that happened there so anyway that's obviously fictional but yeah but still yeah. yeah Okay. Yeah, we can do part two. You want to do part two next week or the week after that? Give you a break or give you some time um, think, to work through. Yeah, I think we'll do it in two weeks. All right, um, sounds good. Part two in two weeks. Yes. Sound good, Aaron? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. All righty. Because that will, yeah, that will give me, that will give me time <clears throat> to uh, figure out what I'm doing. All right. 
and uh hopefully hopefully be better uh vocally uh, <laughs> uh, vocally i know i know this is fun for everybody to listen to this yeah it's all good Sorry, I had to mute myself as I coughed. Let me get some more <laughs> drink. And then, uh, <laughs> so I really enjoyed this. Um, I did too. It's one of those things of, I, I don't know if you get this, like while I'm learning about this and, and looking into these people, it's always one of those of like, I, I'm, I, I get frustrated with myself. Of like, I didn't know this stuff earlier. Um, I didn't watch these things earlier. And I know you, you can't watch and learn and consume everything. Uh, it just is like, it's all, it's, it's one of those things of like the, the world is so big. There's so many stories. Yeah. There's so much history that, um, I really, really do think that there's, it's never too late to do a deep dive. And that, especially in times like this, where it's super confusing, right? Like it's like for somebody over, <laughs> over here across the, the way, it's like, I have no context for what's going on or why this is happening. Like, I don't like it, but I can't exactly put a history to this. And I think yeah. that's, that's a disservice. Um, so using, taking this time to do some opportunity to not just learn about what's happening on, but also develop a, a better appreciation for, for the peoples of Ukraine and that the, the, the history that they do have. And I, I think that that this, that, that is always a good thing. And, and should be pursued, um, whether in times of, of, of war or, or hopefully in times of peace. That's true. That's true. I agree. Uh, I'm the same way. I've been fascinated with Ukraine by a lot, for a long time, but I've only ever like had the time to sort of pick up pieces here and there and, you know, little bits and little things here and there. So it hasn't been uh, this concerted effort. So it's really been good this week to sort of focus on that and sit, like, like you said, kind of take it in more and sort of you're right, right gain a deeper understanding and appreciation for the people that live there and what they're dealing with right now and having the context of why they are being forced to deal with this um is useful just for the current climate of everything so yeah i think i enjoyed it as well yeah your thoughts aaron Sorry, my headphones got disconnected. What? It's all good. <laughs> Sorry. Just your thoughts on kind of learning about some Ukrainian things this week. Well, so my my biggest thing with, with Ukraine is that, especially like with the history, since like it itself has like a deep history, kind of what I said before, like it's always tied to something. And so my biggest thing is wanting to like separate like just the Ukrainian hard but even that in itself is difficult because like it's always like oh but like this you know cultural thing comes from this but like i, I know there's deeper roots with ukraine and i um this week's kind of gonna be a little chaotic but i got some i got some time in, in between baseball games to listen to something no. right, um, yeah. i'm just trying to i'm just trying to find more of like like what is like true ukrainian and then try to tie that into it as well no, I think that's important too. And kind of what Colin was talking about a little while ago with the, there is this element of like, it is such a crossroads. And so, so many things intersect there. So you have that to deal with. Plus this layer of propaganda that's been laid on top of it by different entities, 
right? To be like, no, 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 that's not true. It's it was this, right? Yeah. Sort of sifting through that mire yeah. is also difficult, right? Because it's not a new thing. Like you said, Aaron, that that's been going on for a couple hundred years at least. You know? So like trying to dig through that is hard. So I think yeah, we'll keep doing that. We'll keep going. Uh because I was interested in that too. I just was uh a little late to that because I was trying to watch a movie, you know. I'm trying to- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yep, I'm all for that. Uh, we will do more next time. All right. I look forward to that. All right. So Ukraine part two in two weeks. Uh, sounds good. Okay. If we do have any Ukrainian listeners, know that we love you. Uh, we hope you're doing all right. And uh, Absolutely. hope to hear from you soon. Right. So. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah. No, we uh, all the best. And we absolutely um, are in awe of everything going on and uh, are loving learning about you and trying to support you in ways that we can. Yeah. I agree. Well, that sounds good. My throat is about to die. And so we should... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) That's my cue. That's my cue. Uh, Uh, Yep. Yep. Okay. (laughs) Cut. 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 Anyway. All right. Love you guys. Love you too. Bye. (laughs) Bye.